Good morning. Well, I miss seeing y'all's face. Glad you all are back this week. I hope nobody got stranded. I ended up in a ditch Sunday, but uh, nothing was damaged and no one was hurt. Just my ego. We are in this sermon series that's entitled Blameless. Chapter 4 comes right off of that theme verse for the whole, uh, the whole series and this whole letter that says, May he strengthen your hearts so that you may be blameless, blameless, and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes and his Holy One. So a lot of our conversation has centered around what it means to be blameless. And today, uh, we really get into the nitty-gritty of what it means to be holy and blameless. Let's read this passage in chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 12, and then uh, we'll have a little conversation about what it, what it means. Paul writes and says, Finally, brothers... We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for such sins as you already told you and I warned you about." For God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love. We do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God how to love each other. In fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your business, <laughs> to work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we come just in awe of your creation and in awe of your word, asking that your word will speak boldly to our hearts and our minds, help us to dispel any kind of distractions so that we can focus in and really hear what you have to say to each one of us today. Father, thank you for your presence among us. And may your Holy Spirit fill us with wisdom and knowledge. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Wow, what a month January has been. I never would have thought that I would be going outside in negative degree weather one day and the very next week wearing shorts and a t-shirt in 70 degree weather. I should get used to it. I've lived here in Knoxville for over 20 years. But wow, it was a crazy January. Being stuck in my home for a week have given my family some wonderful and frightening times together. We were talking about chores one evening, and I told my kids how it was, how it was when, when I was growing up. I had several chores uh, that I had to uh, take care of uh, when I was a teenager. And the, the one I hated the worst was uh, cleaning the bathroom. Anybody else hate cleaning the bathroom? Every Friday, I had to have that bathroom clean. And not just clean, but clean to my mother's expectations and standards. I had to have it clean by dinner time. If it wasn't clean by dinner time, I wasn't hanging out with my friends all weekend long, and I was still cleaning it to her standards. Come on. At that time, I really thought she was unfair and, quite honestly, somewhat of a perfectionist. But as I've matured and have children myself, I can see how a mother of a teenage boy would not want to live in a bathroom where teenage boys go to the bathroom. <laughs> she wanted to use a clean restroom, and I appreciate that now. You know, Paul starts this letter, this section of the letter, in a very similar way, because he says that he has given them instructions to please God. I saw this statement, and I really had to sit with it for a minute. Because in my immaturity, I feel like it's a little perfectionist, a little unrealistic, maybe legalistic. The Greek word for please here means to satisfy or to meet expectations, to make good on something. How could we ever live to God's expectations, right? How can the bathroom ever be clean enough? We can't, and we won't. But praise be to God that he sent his only son, to give us everything we need to please God. We can't make the bathroom spotless, but we can make it livable, amen, with the power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul spends the next nine verses clarifying the areas that the Thessalonians needed to pay attention to so that they could live holy lives. And we're going to try to apply that to our own this morning. If you're following along in your notes, go ahead and write these words down. Avoid sexual 
immorality. He starts the conversation with the big one. And he uses a really big church word. He says sanctified. Can you all say sanctified? (laughs) Sanctification is the process by which we become freed from the bondage of sin. And sexual immorality was incredibly common in Roman culture. It's the reason Paul tells the Thessalonians to control their bodies. Because people didn't control their bodies. If they wanted something, they took it. In fact, the ideas of chastity, self-discipline, and honor for one's own body was not accepted practices in the Roman world. And Paul speaks at length on sexual immorality here in chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians and elsewhere. Luckily for us, we don't struggle with sexual immorality in American culture, amen? (laughs) Knoxville got over nine inches of snow. My family and I, while we were snowed in, we not only got to chat and to share with one another, like I shared earlier, but we also played board games, watched a lot of movies together. If you need any suggestions on board games, I think we played every single one in our house. Hit me up after the service, I'll share some. But one evening, Jessica and I, we thought it would be fun to watch a movie that Jessica and I watched when we were teenagers. The movie came out in 1995, Tommy Boy, starring Chris Farley, David Spade. Holy cow. As we watched it, it became a little bit awkward at times because I had forgotten about the sexual situations in the movie. But honestly, it really reminded me how much worse PG-13 movies have become since 1995. I joked earlier, but our culture is incredibly similar to the Roman culture of Paul's day. And so when Paul says to the Thessalonian church to avoid sexual immorality, we need to listen to control our bodies, specifically what we watch with our eyes. God has not called us to live impure lives, he says. And so we should take this to heart this morning. In fact, Paul says elsewhere in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that salvation, that appearance of Jesus Christ, teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present Age. And as Christians, we have got to learn how to say no and avoid sexual immorality. Secondly, this morning, Paul talks about embracing brotherly love. Oh, what an encouragement to the Thessalonian church to hear that Paul says, I need to speak about brotherly love. 
But y'all got it down. Y'all are doing it well. You know, so much has been said in the New Testament about brotherly love. You remember Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He also said, love your enemies. Paul says to the Roman church, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Peter says in his first epistle, to love one another deeply from the heart. And I love this one in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, when John said, oh, such a bold statement. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Much has been said about brotherly love, and we must embrace it with our hearts, with our actions, not just with our words. There was a young teenage boy. He was sitting on the porch swing with his young girlfriend up there in the mountains of Monroe County. They spent a lot of time there, away from everyone, just talking about all kinds of things, what they would do, go to college, how they were going to make money when they grew up. Would they have a family together? Every Friday evening, it was the same. He liked coming to see her, and he loved her mother's cooking. When he would get ready to go, he would hold her hand and tell her how he would see her next Friday and hug her. But tonight, he was feeling tender towards her, so he hugged her and said from the bottom of the porch stairs, You know, I love you so much that I would fight the biggest man. I would swim the deepest ocean. I would climb the highest mountain because I love you so much. And he gave her a kiss. He turned to leave and he said, I'll see you next Friday unless it rains. <laughs> There's a lot of lip service in the church. And we call it brotherly love because we put on a smile and we shake hands. Holiness means much more. It means not just saying, I love you, but loving deeply from the heart. So embrace this kind of brotherly love as we also avoid sexual immorality. And, and finally, Paul says to live quiet lives. Let it be your ambition, he says, to live quiet lives. The word here for quiet is a unique word, only used five times in the New Testament. And at one time, it's used for the word Sabbath, to live a life of peace. We should mind our own business. We should be busy with our hands, not with our words. And in a world of instant news and social media, it's really hard to live quiet lives. I mean, just the other day, I was driving home, and right next to the cemetery uh, that we passed on our way to our house, there was this fence that was completely torn down. 
And I just got to thinking about that. I was, holy, holy cow, what might have happened? Maybe somebody was driving too fast and lost control. Maybe somebody was drunk driving and they ran it down. What if it was a road rage instance and the car forced another car off of the road? I even wanted to ask my neighbor who lives across from the cemetery, what happened to this fence? But here's the truth. I didn't want to know because I was concerned about the driver. I didn't want to know because I was going to lead a task force to keep my neighborhood safe. I didn't want to know because I was living a quiet life. I just wanted the gossip. How many times? How many times do we do that in life? You know, a lot has been said in the New Testament about sexual immorality. A lot has been said about embracing brotherly love. Guess what? A lot has been said about our words, about minding our business. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And, and often we hear that and we're like, okay, we're not going to cuss. And that's probably a, a good way to apply that verse. But then he also goes on and says that anything that's unwholesome could be the opposite of this. But what is helpful for building one another up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. A quiet life uses words to build one another up. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul says, for we, are to be, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. For those who are here on Wednesday night, you'll remember that Bob Goff says that we should not stink up the aroma of Christ with our words. We should not stink up the aroma of Christ. And then, of course, a very popular verse in James 1.26. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. They deceive themselves. And he says their religion is worthless. He says worthless. This is describes our religion. We don't control our tongues. And so it is really important that we live quiet lives, that we embrace brotherly love, that we avoid sexual immorality. These are helpful thoughts shared with us thanks to the example of the Thessalonian church for the holy lives that Paul directed them to live. But let's go back to our original conversation. At the end of the day, the bathroom's not going to be clean enough. We're going to fail. We're going to slip up. Sanctification doesn't happen overnight, but takes time. And by the grace of God, who transforms our hearts 
we can become holy people. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross brings us forgiveness when we fall and slip up. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the power to be holy people. The next song that we sing focuses on the cross and the forgiveness that we receive through him. But as we reflect, will you also think about the resurrection that gives us the power to be holy people? As we sing the next song, I'm going to invite you to go to one of these three communion stations that are set up. There's three of them set up, and you could take the two cups and go back to your seat and reflect as we sing. Marie's going to come up and share a few words, and we'll take those emblems together, the emblems that represent the sacrifice that brings us forgiveness for sins, the emblems that also represents the new life that is found and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father God, we come with grateful hearts for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we gather together and as we celebrate together in unity, we declare you king of our lives. We declare your forgiveness in our lives and the power that's found in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll continue to sanctify our hearts. You'll continue to transform our lives that you'll continue to conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask, dear Lord, that you'll bless this time that we have together as we celebrate you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.